Welcome to the second season of The Sound of IR, a podcast that seeks to educate aspiring interventional radiologists about the clinical practice of IR. I'm Eric Winterhaller, a third-year medical student at Western Michigan University, Homer Stryker, MD, School of Medicine. And I'm Hannah Claude, a second-year medical student at the University of Miami, Miller School of Medicine. We work with a great team of students, residents, and attendings using the power of podcasts to explore topics in interventional radiology. As the host of today's episode, we hope you find it both educational and enjoyable. Today's episode is another installment on how to survive your fourth year medical school, and more specifically, how to approach ERAS applications and the interview season. Joining us today are Ben Rausch, Narina Dasoma, and Jack Sandu, medical students who recently matched into integrated interventional radiology programs. So this, I think, is one of the most high-yield episodes that I've ever been a part of, and perhaps that The Sound of IR has ever recorded. What do you think? I definitely think, yeah, we gained some valuable insight into the interview season and how to prepare for that. So we definitely talked about some really um, high yield stuff that you might want to take note of. In fact, something that I did was I actually took notes while I was listening to um, (laughs) our peers talk about their experiences. And um, one specific thing was uh, we talked about some of the questions that you might want to have in your back pocket when you're at your interview. Uh, You know what I mean? So like when they ask you, hey, I have any questions for me. Um, our fourth years were able to give us some specifics and some things to think about. That way we are prepared for when they ask us if we have any questions. Yeah, yeah, that's key. Uh, One thing I noticed too is to help me quite a bit, especially because something like a personal statement is so confusing to wrap my head around and what what needs to go in it. What what does a good personal statement look like? Narina and the others really helped to clarify that for me. And especially in IR, it could because you're applying to IR and to DR, you have to kind of know how to weave both those interests into a single statement or multiple statements, depending on how you approach it. Yeah, I thought that was super helpful as well. So without further ado, here's the episode. So thank you so much, guys, for taking time out of your post-match celebratory schedules to come and talk to us about uh, matching and that whole experience. Um, We just are so excited for you guys to start your, um, your journey towards becoming IRs and to have you guys talk about your experience thus far. Thanks, Hannah. Um, I'm really excited to share my experience and, um, you know, help whoever I can with uh, sharing how I went about it. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be on this side of things and uh, have this conversation. Yeah, very exciting to hear all the news from Match Day. Um, We really look up to you guys and we're happy to have you on the pod today to to learn a little bit. Yeah, thanks. We're really excited about this. And we're excited as well about the rest of the Sound of IR team that matched. We're going to post on our website where everybody matched in the team. We had some great results for everybody on the Sound of IR, and we're really excited about it. And can't wait till next year to hear where Eric and Adam and everybody else's MS3s right now end up as well. Definitely, for sure. So basically, I think we're going to ask you guys some questions about the application process, um, talk to you guys a little bit about the interviewing experience and then a little bit about ranking lists and match day and all the exciting stuff that follows. So to sort of get the ball rolling, what were some of the things on your application that you guys thought made your your application stand out um, compared to the guy sitting next to you? Sure. Um, one thing in particular about my application, I mean, every, every program I think saw different strengths within my application, um, just because you're dealing with individual people that um, get excited about different attributes of your uh, application and same thing goes for the the culture of the programs and stuff like that. So what they're looking for, but um, I guess if I had to say what my um, strengths were uh, were research. So I worked for pediatric surgeons for two years before med school. So I've had a significant opportunity 
to do research, present, get published. And then I also have um, a lot of global health experiences in my application, um, different trips or different involvement with, um, with missions. And, and then my interest in women's health is another unique thing um, because I initially was considering OBGYN and then that interest in women's health eventually led me to radiology through the field of breast imaging. Um, and then from there, I discovered IR. So those were some of the more unique things about my application. Yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the unique things um, for my application was, I guess, my personal statement. Um, it's something that I worked pretty hard on um, prior to uh, submitting my application, and I had one of my best friends like look over it multiple times. And I think one of the unique things in my upbringing is that I had an older sister who um, was born with Mosaic Edwards syndrome, um, which is a developmental disability, and so she needed total care her whole life. And that kind of like, um, kind of helped me grow as a person, kind of led me to medicine and like wanting to be a part of clinical care. And then through my rotations, I kind of discovered IR and got like, uh, got hooked up with a couple mentors that, that guided me through the way. And I've been working with them the past two years and that kind of led me towards interventional radiology. So I think it was just the unique aspect of, uh, what I guess made me, me. Um, in my personal statement, and I spent a lot of time like on that during the application process. That's really cool. Both of you guys are so cool. I don't want to share mine now. I feel like I have to live up to what made you guys so strong. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, I think uh, I think my background of how I came into IR as well um, was a strength. It's interesting how for all three of us, and you know how we came into medicine, we feel like is a strength in our in our uh, application. So for me, um, I found IR through vascular surgery. So I always had a strong uh, PAD sort of focus in mind, Um, especially something that I don't think I've shared this on the podcast before, but during my first year of med school, my grandfather had complications to an orthopedics, uh, to a a total knee replacement that caused him to lose uh, his leg because of a unforeseen vascular problem that if it would have been caught, he wouldn't have had to have an above the knee amputation. So ever, you know, even before that, I had the interest, but that really cemented for me how I wanted to be someone that could catch things like that and, awesome. and treat people in that way. So that, that definitely was my personal aspect. And then beyond that, I think everybody was just uh, really surprised and uh, by what a podcast is. I think I got that question more times than I could possibly count. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think, you know, I think especially the personal aspects and then, uh, you know, uh, what what leads us into IR uh, definitely is what made made my uh, application strong. I love hearing about the unique things that it goes into every application, no matter what specialty it is, and especially for IR. It sounds like you all had a very different approach and kind of different things that stuck out um, to interviewers for for your applications. I, I'm really excited to hear about this. Yeah, to sort of go off of that. So you guys have these amazing stories and interesting ways that you found IR. Did you guys have those questions directly asked to you? Basically, like, how did you discover IR in an interview? Or is it something that you wrote about in your application to sort of show that aspect? I I think for myself, it was both. Uh, I mean, just like everyone else is saying, you know, it's it's something that, that comes up often. It just how you come into IR. It's it's a pretty common question in inside and outside of an, of an interview. So it definitely was very well portrayed in my application. That's definitely something that was asked about in the interview and in my application. 
Yeah, agreeing with what Ben said, um, I didn't really get asked, like, how did I discover it? But, like, everyone asks pretty much, like, why IR, like, at least, like, once, like, pretty mm-hmm. much every interview day. So you kind of talk about how you discovered it with that answer, I feel like. So um, it's something that's definitely asked. Yeah, one of the main questions that the IR people have is um, whether or not you actually know what you're getting yourself into. And that's probably what every specialty wants to know. And so they're going to ask you questions accordingly to try to figure out what they think the best way to try to get to that answer is, is do they know what they're getting themselves into? Did they do their research? Do they know what IR is and what it entails? I think this really speaks to um, a lot of this, the program director survey. You guys are touching on a lot of the things that um, are asked about, and especially one of the things is perceived dedication to the field. It was is something that stuck out to me. Like, do people really know what IR is? Do they know what they're getting themselves to? What the what the work is like? And that's that's definitely something that was touched there. Another thing that stuck out is letters of recommendation. Those seem to be really important for IR program directors. Um, we just wanted to ask a few questions on how you asked for letters of recommendation, on who to ask. Um, can can you guys touch on? how you approached getting letters of recommendation for IR? So I know in the, in the last episode of this series on fourth year, I touched on a couple of my letters of recommendation, uh, at least in the IR world. Um, yeah, it, you know, a lot of that for me came from away rotations. The other letters of recommendation that I had um, that weren't interventional radiologists that I felt like were strong. One was from I, um, the chair of internal medicine who I, was on academic medicine with uh, at my institution and who I have a really good relationship with. And then the other was a a pediatrician who saw me in the clinic for multiple weeks. So I felt like that those two letters sort of rounded me out as an individual and showed that I had a clinical interest and understanding. um, And and I felt like that was beneficial. Beyond that, I also had my vascular surgery PI write me a letter. But I think the other letters I mentioned in the last episode one I got on a way rotation um, that I did as a, as a second year from one of the IRs who was at University of Michigan, Dr. Cooper. And then the other was uh, from an away rotation during fourth year. I asked for seven letters total just because I didn't, you never know who's not going to uh, get the letter mm-hmm. in on time or whatnot. And I always just found it best um, to ask for the letter immediately after I worked with that attending. So if uh, I was on internal medicine and I felt like I really got to know an attending really well, he got to know me really well, or she got to know me really well, and that I felt like he or she would write a really great letter. At the end of that week that I worked with them, I would just ask uh, right then. I'd say, hey, can I meet with you? And I would say, I'm applying to, um, dual applying to interventional radiology and diagnostic radiology. I'd really love for you to write me a letter um, if you feel that you know me well enough to do so. And uh, I think that that sets you up for success because you're fresh in their mind. Um, and so even if it's before you have all the ERES tokens or the ERES uh, request forms to give, they can at least start working on it and have it, have it in the, in the wings kind of. Um, so out of my seven total letter writers, one was surgery, one was internal medicine, three were IR, and two were DR. And I know you can only assign four letters per program, so I mix and match depending on um, the background of those yeah. letter writers and um, if, it were, if it was a DR program or an IR program. Of course, for the DR program, I always made sure that one of my DRs was represented um, and so on. You get it. You were asking for letters. Did you ask your attendings in person or was it through an email? I asked, uh, I emailed them to meet with me 
if I couldn't ask them in person to set aside a formal time to meet. And then in person is when I asked for the letter, um, except for one attending, he was in a different city. So I had to email him to ask him. But if you have the opportunity to meet in person, if you're in the same, if you're in the same hospital or you're on an away, it's, I think it's better to ask in person. 100%. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I agree. I asked in person for a four out of five of mine. And I think uh, it makes a difference. Yeah, and I like what uh, Marina was saying. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask and have more. Like, you know, there's no maximum that can show up in your ERAS. There's just a maximum of what you can send the program. So mixing and matching is something I did as well, um, you know, depending on the strengths of, of my, uh, uh, the strengths of the program that I perceived and uh, what, what kind of uh, residency it was, whether it was a prelim or, you know, DR or IR. Yeah, definitely. For for like those that are going to be M3s or are already almost done being M3s, I think the best way to go about it is if you did really well on a rotation or got along like really well with an attending, um, I think like it's totally appropriate to just ask them to see if they'd be willing to write you a letter. And then if you use it, you use it. If not, you don't, but it doesn't hurt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I had a couple other like I am docs and surgeons who wrote letters for me as well that I used in different situations. Just to follow up with this topic, um, one thing that I wish I knew before I started asking was I didn't realize that it would be beneficial to have like separate, completely separate letters for IR and DR. So when I first asked, I just asked them to write me a letter for and keep it generic and just write radiology. And then I had to go back and ask them, actually, I I would really like one letter that specifically says interventional radiology and then another one that says diagnostic radiology and then another one that says preliminary. So each letter writer ended up writing me three different letters they could have been the exact same but within the text i think the letter writer usually references the program for which the letter is being written and they'll usually say i'm writing this letter recommendation for narina desoma for interventional radiology so it just looks like you put more thought into into it maybe i'm not 100 percent sure i did that (laughs) (laughs) it probably doesn't matter but as i was getting more feedback from uh from people that had gone through it the year before they're like oh you should I think I even asked it at a women in IR panel. They're like, oh, you should definitely have a letter that says interventional radiology if you're going to IR. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, for some reason, I just thought just, yeah. So um, it could be useful to have them know. It can be the same letter, but just if you're referring, if they're referring to the program for which letter is for, just to make sure it says either diagnostic radiology, interventional radiology, and then preliminary program. Yeah. And they have to make sure that the coordinator understands that because they're usually the ones uploading it to ERAS. So the last thing you want is for them to get mixed up and get assigned to the wrong one. I've yeah. heard of that happening too. Yeah. It's not uh, yes. pretty. No, I, I completely agree with you. I did that same thing that you did. And that was like after hearing uh, from like our school's match panel last year for IR and just like seeing just hearing their thoughts on like the whole dr versus applying uh, ir dr process yeah i'm sure we're gonna hit that topic a little more and i have some more thoughts on that when we do uh, yeah for those of you that got a letter from an away rotation when did you approach the program director or the P, the attending um that you got the letter from during that rotation i i think i touched on this a little bit in our last one but i only specifically mentioned someone that i didn't get a letter from because of the timing with submitting for ERAS. Um, For the one that I did get on an away rotation, 
I think it was during my third of my four of my four mm-hmm. weeks. Just so I gave him a little bit of time, just in case, you know, just so he knew that I was going to be asking for a letter, and maybe maybe that would cause him to pay a little more attention mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but but either way, um, I it was near the end. It was okay. definitely near the end of the rotation. Yeah, I think that uh, as long as you as long as you think the attending needs to get to know you most, um, so a couple of weeks and then asking would be the best. I, when I was on my way, one of my ways for only three weeks and I can't, it was towards the end of the rotation when I had the conversation with the author. So the letter writer. Gotcha. Okay. So to circle back kind of to what Ben was hinting at before, I really don't know what the difference looks like in terms of applications for IR versus DR. Can you guys sort of walk us through how different the applications are or what it's like to apply to two different residencies? So this is kind of the million dollar question right now for people both applying and and people in the field. Um, So I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast, possibly that there was a, there was a letter that went out from Narina, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Dr. Marks or there was a combined letter between SIR, APDIR and uh, AP. DR, like the Association of Program Directors of DR and the Association of Program Directors of IR about perceived um, DR and IR bias and how programs are supposed to keep these separate. Um, It's it's something that we can find and put in the show notes if uh, people want to hear about it. But um, the whole idea is that this was sent out to programs saying, hey, as you interview someone for IR, um, you cannot consider their DR application. You're, you're supposed to consider their DR application separately and not ask about if they're applying for DR or something like that. Am I explaining that right, Marina? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're explaining it pretty well, yeah. So, but my point, my point of bringing that up is this is something that um, this perceived IR bias is something that uh, applicants have been talking about for a couple of years, which is, there's some applicants who are applying IR or applying to both integrated IR um, spots and DR spots who perceive that they're not getting the same kind of interviews in DR that they are in IR or the same number or at the same type of institutions. So before I jump any more into that, I want to hear what both of you think, Jack and Marina, about this. Um, I'll jump in real quick. So I do think that there is a bias. The diagnostic radiology side, I think, did have a little bit of a bias, personally. Um, Not all programs, but there is because I think we're so passionate about IR. um, They just want to make sure that we're going to be as passionate about our diagnostic training. And also, they're thinking, if they're so passionate about IR, they're not going to rank DR high. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's this, there's just a lot of um, uncertainty on about how to handle these IR, independent IR um, applicants. And so um, I think one of your tasks in your application and on your interview day is to demonstrate your commitment to diagnostic radiology. And so that manifests in different personal statements. So make sure that you would have a personal statement for IR and then a personal statement for DR. They can be very similar, but I think they're different enough. It's worthy of uh, having its own special personal statement. So I think this is interesting, Narina, because I originally thought the same thing. And then over the summer, I heard a uh, webinar, an SIR webinar with program directors. 
and several mm-hmm. of those on that said not to do a different personal statement. Okay. And their reasoning was that the IR program directors are associate program directors for DR, and they're going to see both of them. And so the reason they said that is it's very easy for some applicants to try and seem disingenuous in their DR application and make it sound like IR is not even a thing they've ever heard of. And then in their uh, IR application, be a super gung-ho IR, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Mind you, yes. I know that the way you approached it was not like that. Right. But, but I think that is something to be careful of. Mindful yeah, of. Exactly. Yeah. This is a good discussion to have for sure because you, you have to be honest about your commitment to IR in person and in your personal statement for DR because they know they're like Ben said they're going to find out they know they're the APD for IR and IR is the APD for DR you know so everybody knows all the entirety of your application both ends um so but but maybe just um putting in a few extra sentences or what have you about in the DR essay just specifically I guess addressing why you love diagnostic radiology too. And I, I, I don't know, it's just something, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's something we have to grapple with. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Narina, I think from my personal experience, I, I wish I would have either had a different um, personal statement for DR that just focused on a couple more things more heavily, or maybe just had more about DR in my personal statement. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about this more when we talk about interviews, but I feel like that would have benefited me to get more DR only interviews. Mind you, mm-hmm. I wanted an integrated IR spot and I'm thrilled that that's what I yeah. got, right? But um, it was something that was very stressful at the time, knowing about this perceived IR bias before and then experiencing it myself. Jag, what was your experience with it? Yeah, it was the same. I was like struggling, um, trying to like figure out how much IR I should put in my DR statement. Cause so like, so I actually reapplied this cycle and the year before I kind of had like the personal statement, but a lot of it was like IR and I like, I had my, I had like a paragraph about DR in it, but the majority of it was IR. And I think that kind of affected me at like a lot of diagnostic programs that I felt like I should have gotten an interview at the year before based on um, my application or I felt like I should have had a good chance at um, compared with this year. Um, but so this year I ended up, um, almost like cutting out like two thirds of what I wrote about IR in my original DR personal statement and kind of changed it to be more DR heavy. But I put like towards like, um, the end kind of my interest in IR and like what I've done. Cause they're going to see that in like the ERAS CV part, cause they'll see all my involvements and all that stuff. And they'll see that it's like pretty IR heavy. Mm-hmm. in comparison to DR. So you can't like completely not mention it because it's in your application. Um, but I ended up kind of really emphasizing the diagnostic side and um, kind of putting like the IR part like in the back end, like towards the end. Of did it. you also change your letters? And you mentioned before your letters. Uh, did you also change it to where you had diagnostic? Like what Narina was saying, your letter writers write a diagnostic letter an IR letter and a prelim letter? Yeah, so I didn't do it for prelim, but I did it for um, diagnostic and interventional. The second time around? Yeah. Interesting. So that that kind of gives us a good model, at least with the three of us, um, because mm-hmm. I didn't do that, and I also didn't have a DR personal statement, and I definitely felt that the IR bias um, this year. Uh, mind you, just like Jack was saying, if you look through the rest of my my application, it's extremely obvious that I have 
interested in IR, but um, it's kind of interesting to hear those two things um, that, that could be very beneficial to applicants. Yeah. Of oh, no, this is something that comes up at SIR as well. And this year in Austin, they during the program director panel, this question was was asked again, and um, it basically came down to that every program will rank applications differently and look at different things. But overall, um, it was it was said that most of the time, something that Bernard already mentioned, that the IR program director is usually an associate. DR program director and same with the DR program directors being associate IR program directors. That that is not an uncommon thing and they'll see both your applications and know kind of what angle you took from both. Yeah, interesting. So another important aspect in addition to um, the letters of recommendation and you guys have touched upon it in terms of um, how you changed it. Can you guys talk about the personal statement? I know it's like the biggest thing ever. Uh, you have to explain to somebody why you're worthy to be accepted into their program and um, your interest in medicine. So uh, tell us a little bit on how you approached it. What was your um, strategy in writing it? You mentioned it a little bit before and um, how did the interviewers bring up aspects of your personal statement in the interview? I know that's a lot of questions, so feel free to take some or all. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think the personal statement is something that's brought up um, a lot in like in panels or like in how to approach applying. But my, my two cents on it is everybody's going to approach it in a different way. And it's one of those things that just can't be bad, right? Like it can't mm. be a bad personal statement. And beyond that, everyone's unique. Everyone's writing style is unique and just make sure it doesn't have any big red flags and tells your story, whatever your story is, make sure it tells that story. And, and that's how I feel about it. At least. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think like, obviously for most people, like writing about yourself and you're kind of trying to like, I guess, write about what makes you, you, and then what makes you like kind of like unique and like an amazing applicant is difficult. Oh, it's horrible. Um, and I think <laughs> it's, it's really good if you have a really good friend who like knows you very well to kind of take a look at it, to see if you're actually being like personal enough or you're kind of like not really going into like, um, like what makes you, you like enough. And I think that can help like improve a personal statement from like the first draft to the last draft. And then, obviously showing it to your IR mentors just to make sure that they, that they're like look over it and think it's okay and they can give suggestions and um, taking their advice and like kind of keep improving upon it with each draft. I would suggest like, you know, starting to work on it early so that you have like enough time to really keep like fine tuning it. And then eventually if you're like me, you'll get to the point where like, it's just like, I don't know how, how I could change it any further. So for my personal statements, so I did DR and IR. So for the DR personal statement, the first paragraph, I elaborated on how I discovered radiology. And then the second paragraph was then my discovery of interventional radiology and why I like that. Um, and then the third paragraph was about my personal experiences in the past that I think um, make me well-suited for both of those fields. And then um, just kind of like more follow-up and then what I'm looking for in a program, which I tried to customize based on the type of program that I was applying to. So I tried my best. You know, some programs are more heavy in research. Every program has different strengths. Some, some programs are big, some are small. So I tried to like throw in a little something mm. unique. Yeah, that's really cool. But that meant a lot of versions of the same essay that I had to make yeah. sure that I paired with the right program. So 
it's up to you. And then for the IR, for the first paragraph, I talked about how I discovered IR. The second paragraph, I talked about why I also like DR. So you see how I kind of flipped the first two paragraphs for DR and IR. I mean, it's the same content basically, but I just made sure to start with the one that I was writing about and so on. Oh, that's smart. And I think something for me, like since I was reapplying this cycle, I didn't mention that like in all my personal statements. It was just like a short paragraph and I was being honest about like what I had like gotten the feedback, what I think had happened. And I think um, for me, at least um, that's important because you are reapplying and they're going to know that. So you do have to like say something about that and like be honest about it. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's really important. Whatever your blemish or whatever your faults are, I think um, being honest about them, but not making yourself a martyr. You know what I mean? No matter what that is. So I like your point. And, and I was the same way with my own weaknesses in my application. So yeah, I think that's that's really important. Marina, something I wanted to ask you, as you were doing your personal statement, did you have your husband look at it? Yeah, so I had him look at it. I had so many people look at it just because everybody same. has something like a nugget to, and his, he, you know, my husband's not a medicine, so he brings a different perspective and he fo- focuses more on just like how it's flowing and stuff like that. And then uh, I had just as many people as you can have lay eyes on it is good because you'll be amazed at how much better it's going to be at the end. A hundred percent. Yeah. I had my wife look at it. I had my, I have a sister who's uh works for a big advertising firm, look at it and spice it up. Um, and then I ended up taking out half of that anyway, but no, I think just getting <laughs> getting those different perspectives and all these little building blocks and then just finding what what's right for you in the end is what matters. Did you ever feel like it was never done? 100%. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely how I'm feeling right now. I always felt there was like something I could do to make it okay. better. But. Right. Well, I, Eric, I, and I will say like, I, you're ahead of the game because I honestly did not have a version of my personal statement until like, I don't even know when it was, like June, something like that. I, I just like, for me, it was like what Jag was saying. I had the hardest time writing about myself because I, I just hate that. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's just so hard for me to do that. And I, I, I just avoided it for a long time. But then I finally sat down and word vomited everything I could. And then just like sifted through what I'd, I'd written, which was complete garbage. And, but then it just got the process started. And yeah, at least for me, that's how, what I feel like is important is just getting started. Um, so, I mean, even Hannah, for you, I, I know it's a couple years down the road, but like even just writing something down now, it might, what you end up using in a couple of years won't be anything like it, but just like, so you can get over that hump of writing about yourself. I think that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. Ben, I went through the same thing. Like I had this outline and then just like going from the outline to writing it probably took like a month. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down and finally be like, okay, let's write it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Another piece of advice that somebody told me is the personal statement is your opportunity to discuss something about yourself that you don't think is well represented in your application, like something that maybe was formative that you did before med school. So for me, I, like I mentioned, I did a lot of global health stuff. And um, so I lived in Guatemala for a year before I even went to college. So that was a long time ago, but it's such a formative thing. So I weave that into the personal statement. Then I also have done a lot of canoeing trips. And so I weave my passion for the wilderness in there too. And people ask me about it all the time. I love that. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think weaving in those other things is important. Um, 
it probably comes as no surprise that I brought up the podcast in my personal statement. Mm -hmm. And and also I think balancing, like all of us talked about like those personal reasons we got into medicine and for IR and my reason about getting into IR and and, like my passion being because of what happened with my grandpa um, was something that I ended up focusing on. I kind of went back and forth on whether or not to do that. And and I ended up with a version of that. That's what I ended up focusing on. So it, it depends just on what works best for you. I think we've got a lot of really valuable information on what makes an application unique, what to focus on, uh, that interplay between IR and DR in your application, as well as the personal statement. Thank you guys a lot for um, this great advice. Yeah, no worries. So we've talked a lot about the applications and how to write it and um, you know some of the tips on making a strong application, but how do you choose where to send those applications? What were your guys' thoughts on mm-hmm. choosing a program or how do you know where to um, you know do your ways how do you even research these programs what are credible sources for looking up what's a quote quote good fit for you program what are your thoughts yeah so for for me when choosing to apply like I met so like as as a reapplicant I applied I needed to apply pretty broadly um, so when looking at programs I talked to my mentor um, I also talked to some of the current IR fellows um, at Jackson Memorial Hospital University in Miami because they they had more of the know of like the training at different uh, different hospitals and different programs. So I took their advice along with my mentor's advice, as lo- along with like word of mouth from like upperclassmen that applied and had like gotten into some of these programs. And like I kind of used that um, more so than like an online search for fi- figuring out what programs would be good for me, which ones had strong like um, procedural training as long as clinical training and so forth. So, um, I just talked to like the resources that I had around. For me, I probably should have done a deeper dive into which programs to apply to, but I thought, you know, IR was so competitive. I may as well just practically apply to all of them. (laughs) And then in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have, because then I had a really hard time figuring out which ones prioritize. And those are, those are all good problems to have, but I probably should have done the work at the front end. So I applied to 55 IR programs and I mostly just applied almost all of them. The ones that I didn't apply to, I just thought maybe it was a place that where I wouldn't like to live or that my husband wouldn't be able to find a job or something like that. The also, I will say that Twitter helped, I think, subconsciously inform some of which programs I was most excited about. I don't know if it <laughs> determined which <laughs> I don't know if it determined which programs I applied to, but just following certain programs on Twitter made me really, really extra excited to visit them just to see what they were all about. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And just feeling like mm-hmm. they were so connected into the community at large and so involved and just uh, just being able to see a little bit more into the program, what they do. And for a DR, I applied to 79 DR programs. And I think if you're dual applying IR and DR, which I think you should, you should absolutely make sure you apply to a DR program for any IR that you're applying to. So if you're applying to IR to program, you should absolutely be applying to DR because I just think it looks bad if you don't. It looks like maybe you're not as serious about the program. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And so, and then the DR programs I mostly decided on based on uh, the reputation of the program and the location. Yeah. So it's funny, Marina, because we hadn't talked about numbers that we'd applied to previously. Um, but my numbers were almost the exact same as yours. It was like 55 IR and like 75 DR. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I think it ended up being more after because there was some of those IRs that came out later. And my reasoning yeah. was the same, except not where my wife could get a job, but where I could afford living with three kids and a wife, right? So um, those are the those are the places that I ended up applying. The ones I didn't were ones where there was that perceived uh, high cost of living. So for me, one of the reasons I applied so broadly beyond IR being insanely competitive is I'll, I'll just talk about it. So I bombed step one. Just going to throw it out there here and now. It was one of those like hellish events where everything goes wrong. So and in my school, um, we take step one in the middle of third year. So I was already so far down the IR train at this point. I was so passionate about it already that I knew no matter what, this is what I wanted to do. That if I had to reapply, I'd reapply. If I had to, if I ended up matching into something else and having to switch into IR, that's what I'd end up doing. And so when talking to my wife about it, we just decided, you know what, like, if this is what I want to do, we're just going to go for it. And we're just going to go full bore at it. So um, that was my decision, you know, what was that, like 14 months ago um, after getting my score back. And so I knew I was going to have to apply really broadly, kind of like what both Jag and Marina, you guys are saying. And uh, my experience with getting uh, interviews was kind of what I mentioned before. I think there were some things in my personal statement application that would have helped me to get more DR interviews, but because I was so IR heavy, I think that was the reason why the number of IR and DR interviews I got was actually the exact same number, um, which was kind of crazy. Now, not all at the same programs. Like there's some places that uh, that invited me for IR and DR, and others that only and uh, like places where there wasn't IR. I don't know if we should talk about like actual numbers. I don't actually care either way to broadcast that, but I'll ask Marina and Jag if you want to talk about that more. Or not. Sure. In terms of how many interviews that I went on yeah. for each. Yeah. Okay. So I went on, so I had 37 days of interviews. And so a lot of those days were also prelim because I applied to 41 prelim programs. Uh, And I applied to medicine, surgery, and TY. So I applied to, just so everybody knows what's, I I don't think this is normal. Maybe it is, but I applied to 18 medicine uh, medicine prelims, 17 surgery prelims, and six TYs. And so Um, anyway, so I had 37 days of interviews. A lot of the DR and IR interviews were on the same day. So I know off the top of my head, I had 17 IR interviews that I went on. Um, I had more offers, but I, when I actually went on 17, I can't remember the number of DRs more than that though, because most programs, there were only two IR programs where I didn't have a DR program, uh, interview. So um, and 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 it made sense like for that specific program why yeah, like the ones um, with like two IR spots and three DR spots that sort of thing. yeah yeah exactly yeah. it was like oh so clearly like the DR people aren't going to want to like saturate their program with IR people because there's they basically have the same number of spots as the as the IR program exactly. so um, and then I had a lot more a lot of other DR interviews outside of that and, but I think my application showed a lot of commitment to DR because I found IR through DR and I had a lot of I even did an away in DR so I, I had a lot of DR in my application yeah um, yeah and I think um, I, I didn't mention the prelim numbers but I ended up only applying be- because of how much this whole thing was costing the the place where I cut out the the cost was I only applied to TY and prelim medicine. My reasoning was is most categorical programs were a surgery intern year anyway. And 
I didn't want to pay the $99 and find the first 10 uh, surgery programs to apply to because so many I applied to for IR were categorical. So I ended up applying to like six or seven uh, prelim med and TY. And I, what I did, I don't know if it was the smartest thing. I waited until I got DR and IR interviews that were advanced programs. And then I applied to the prelims there. And that actually worked at a couple places. Um, so I don't know, it, because a lot of prelims don't end up uh, interviewing until later in the season anyway. So that is one way to do it if, you, if you're more geographically bound. And for me, my wife was like, we are not moving twice in 12 months. And I'm about mm-hmm. to have a baby in June. So uh-huh. that, that, was, that was my uh, reasoning. <laughs> Yeah, I actually did the same thing, Ben. Yeah. And uh, it actually worked out. I was able to call up the prelim after I applied mm-hmm. once I heard back about the other interview. And like for the most part, they were able to fit me in like the afternoon, like after your interview day Yeah. for like a session, which was nice. Save that money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for me, um, I had about 13 IR interviews and then they were also um, DR as well, except for uh, two. And then I had another um, like 10 DR interviews separate from that. And I only applied to like prelim areas around South Florida. So I didn't really have to like travel far for those interviews. And it was like uh, four surgery programs. Yeah. So I interviewed at 10 IR programs and 10 DR programs. And again, to remind everyone, my score, should I just share my step one score? I really don't care. Really up to you. So, uh, no, I won't share it. I, I take that <laughs> I'll, I'll share it with you guys, but this is going to get cut. So it was not great, right? But I did a couple things after I got my score. One, I redoubled my efforts for step two. I approached it differently because even though my approach for step one was good, and also this is in no way an excuse. My daughter had croup the night before I had step one and I was in the ER until like 2 a.m., so yeah, like I said, it was a hellish situation. Yeah, by no means is that an excuse because I know many people that have done had worse things mm-hmm. happen that ended up crushing it. So it was definitely just a fault of mine that I did that poorly. Now, I, I redoubled my efforts on step two and I, I increased it on step two. So nice that really showed as well, like, hey, that was just an anomaly. Yeah. And then I just knew I needed to make the personal connections so that I could get past the filter. Because here's the thing, either way, I, I know that at the majority of programs I applied to, I hit the step one filter and my application went straight to the trash, right? Like there's no doubt about that because that's the world we live in, three-digit score matters, and it's just the name of the game. So the only way you can get past that, in my opinion, is by making connections and just getting people to know who you are so they at least look at your application, yeah. right? Just because you know yeah. someone doesn't mean you're going to get an interview, but at least your application can get looked at yeah. versus the filtered out. So that's that's my two cents and my experience with, with that. You can well, ask I, I so appreciate your honesty and like your candidness with all this because it's just, you never hear this story because it's not one that people want to share. So I so appreciate you sharing that. But like hearing that just goes to show like, it can be done. And like you said, like you knew you wanted to do this at any cost, you were going to make it happen. And I think because of that, hearing how you say that, and I'm sure it came out in your personal statement, like if I was a program director, well, also, I mean, of course I'd accept you, but like, (laughs) you know, you hear the passion and it flows through and it drips out of every word and everything that you say and like your Twitter presence and all that. I mean, 
do like sucks for the programs that didn't even look at application. Well, well, and here's the thing is we'll get to this when we talk about ranking it a little bit. All that matters is you end up at one program and it's the right program. And for me, when we talk about interviews in a minute, my experience at Dartmouth was just like out of this world good. And I knew that somewhere I'd be happy. So that's all that matters because it doesn't, in the end, it doesn't matter if you have 50 interviews because you only match at one, right? No matter what. Right. So I don't know that that's my opinion. And mind you, that's coming from the guy that's coming from the bottom up. Right. So, yeah. So something I wanted to bring up that I did differently uh, this time around, around mid-October, like late October, if there were some programs that I hadn't heard anything from, I would just like look up the number for their coordinator and just give her a call. And uh, for the most part, I think that that helped at a few places and it, Mm. And if it didn't help, I got clarity at some other places that I hadn't heard anything from. I so like that, I think yeah. it definitely doesn't hurt to like give a, give a program coordinator like a call to see like um, what the status of your application is like towards the middle or end of October um, if you haven't heard like anything yet. And um, I think it also is good because it kind of showcases your interest in that program um, that you're making that extra effort to call them. And um, it, it helped for me at a couple places. That's a really good point. I, I think a lot of these outside of Eris type of tips are really valuable too. Um, mm-hmm. Things that things like phone calls and emails can really make a difference in the end and where, where your interviews are. Yeah. Well, because it changes you from being, you know, a digital file, right, to like a, a real person. And Jack's point is a good one. I, I did a similar thing in a few places with good results, especially for the prelims. I, I really liked what you said about that because I think that is a very easy way to get prelims in the same location if that's what you're looking for. Oh yeah, 100%. And they'll interview, most of them will organize something to have you interview the same day as your um, advance. So you get to save some money as well. Yeah, because I mean, it makes sense for a prelim. You'd want someone that wants to be there for the rest of the years. There's a better chance that you'll choose their prelim, right? Versus like... Yep. I, I'm just randomly going to go to St. Louis for a year. Hey. And then go to, <laughs> yeah. Nothing against St. Louis. Like, you know, a Kalamazoo, yeah. like even though there's no prelims here, I think it makes a difference. <laughs> so Jag, I know that you uh, did a research year this past year and uh, reapplied to IR. Can you talk a little bit about what the reapplication process was like and uh, sort of what you changed in your application for this year? Yeah, so... I guess like for me, um, with what happened last year, like I kind of restricted myself geographically and then also um, speaking with like a few of my mentors and the program directors here prior to the cycle. I think like that that spike in competitiveness was like for the DR side of it, at least Mm -hmm. was pretty unexpected. So um, being told that like when I showed them the programs I wanted to apply to and I was told that that like, you know, that was pretty that was like a good list you should match. And then um, I guess finding out like once like October, November hit, like that I really wasn't getting the amount of interviews that other people were. And then kind of realizing later on, like, hey, there's a chance that I, I might not match and then I didn't. Um, so I think that was like a big like kind of thing that um, kind of affected like my first, uh, first go around with applying. Um, and I, I learned from that and I had a lot of friends that kind of supported me, um, which is really important and things that I changed this time around was, um, I put a lot more effort, um, into like the other parts of my application, 
Um, one of the things like choosing between doing like a surgical prelim year, which I could have done or a research year, I, I went with the research year route because I figured that um, doing a surgical prelim year, like you wouldn't really have much time to like improve upon like the IR parts of your application. Mm, and also not even knowing like how much time I would be able to like use to go on interviews because um, I'd end up being like super busy. Um, so I went like with my mentor's suggestion of doing a research year at the program that I ended up matching at. Um, and a few of the things that I did differently this time around was um, I put a lot more effort into my personal statement. Um, I became like more involved, um, like really putting my best foot forward with the, with the program at Jackson Memorial Hospital and uh, trying to be as productive as I can. Um, going in and uh, trying to scrub into cases like um, during the summer and fall um, and just like you know kind of putting like trying to like do really well with that program and then also like working on like getting like kind of this new strategy which I said which is like um, separating out the DR and IR aspects um, getting like working on making sure that my letters uh, would be different for like each specialty and then also uh, something that I did differently was like the phone call thing in October and November um, that I didn't do last year. And I think that helped. Um, so those are a couple of the things that I did differently. I think like that's a really hard decision to make a choosing between like a research year and a intern year. Luckily I had the support of my parents. Um, so like I could kind of take like a hit of like not basically not having any income for a year and uh doing research because it's really hard to find like a funded research position that's a great um, point so it's it's a difficult decision for sure um but you know sitting here now i'm i'm glad i made it and it worked out yeah jack you're you're amazing for being able to do that man like that's that's so cool i think that really speak yeah thanks it was uh <laughs> I, I gained a lot of weight this year, probably a few more years, but... <laughs> I somehow so worth it now. somehow I lost weight, I think from the incredible amount of stress. <laughs> I, I usually yeah. I'm a stress eater, but like uh, in all seriousness, I, I lost like 20 pounds this last year, oh not from working out, not from doing anything. I honestly think it was just stress uh, from the whole situation. I already had a lot of gray hair because of my kids, but I think that's... <laughs> And and I think like the beauty, at least I feel like applying into IR is if like you're a hard worker and like a good person, and you have like people that kind of like you know that kind of vouch for you for that, you'll find an opportunity. Yeah. And like that's what this year kind of taught me. Like, um, if you like put your best foot forward, you know, you work hard and you like show your commitment and like your kind of like your passion for wanting to pursue interventional radiology, that someone will give you a chance. And that's all you need. Yeah. I think those are really yeah. wise words. That was really awesome. I think the common thread in all of this is um, that applying to IR is a lot of hard work. That whether you're yeah. first-time applicant, second-time applicant, you know, fourth or fifth-time applicant, no matter what year it is, it's a competitive field. And it's, it's going to take a lot of work as well as making those connections. I thought especially that um, those outside of errors things that we talked about, like emailing was, I think that's, a, a strong thing to mention, just that it's important to establish that connection with a program. Um, and one of those, one of the ways that you can establish that connection is through a power, strong interview. Would you guys agree with that? A hundred percent. 
Yep. Yes, absolutely. The interview day is an, uh, is probably the most important opportunity for you to make a really good connection. Um, it's, it's really nice coming into the interview with all these other things being well known already um, in the in the community of IR, being active on Twitter, it's always nice to go in and do an interview where you're already kind of known. Um, but the interview day itself is, um, it I, I think it, it definitely makes makes or breaks. Obviously, um, like I had phenomenal interview days where I just felt like I belonged, and then I had other days where I just felt like there was a huge disconnect. Um, and then that's just a greater sign that it wasn't a good fit. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, the the interview the interview day abs- definitely makes or breaks the whole situation. It, it's great to get an interview somewhere, but if it's not a good fit, you're gonna t- you're gonna be able to tell. So walk us through what it's like to have an interview. I, I know that you have an interview, and then sometimes there's a dinner. Perhaps what is what exactly goes on during an interview day? Yeah, so what'll happen is most programs have dinner either the night before or the night of the interview. Um, everybody does it differently with the DR and the IR. I had interview days where it was actually two days, DR on one day and then IR on another, and you went to two dinners. But most don't do that. Most try to do DR and IR on the same day, and then dinner either the night before or the night of. Um, and then um, you'll some days are IR only days where you'll only be in an IR cohort, but you'll also get the DR interview in the afternoon or in the morning. But it's only IR people. And then other days, your um, other programs are intermixed with DR applicants and IR like DR only applicants and then dual applicants. Um, so everybody kind of does it differently. Um, you, the representation of the DR side is variable. So some programs give, give you a lot of exposure to DR faculty and allow you to get to know the DR side of things really well. Other programs, uh, it's very heavily IR focused day. And then you're kind of left, at least for me, the DR side of things is very important to me. So it heavily influenced my rank list, my experience with the DR people. And I don't know if a lot of PDs know that but you know there's there are those of us out there where the dr like all ir programs to me were amazing in their own way mm-hmm. and so the dr side really made her great um, made it for me yeah that's a great point every every single program approaches it differently on on ir interviews i think all of us would agree that sometimes you're invited for both ir and dr and it definitely feels like the dr side kind of it almost feels like how the prelim, if it's a categorical, it gets brought up. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. where, where it's like, oh, and by the way, this is DR and blah blah blah. Um, at, at least at at, a, at some places. So I think I think that's an important aspect because what it comes down to, and we've brought this up a lot in the past, you're going to be a board certified in both diagnostic and interventional radiology. So you should you should put the time into learning about what that portion of your uh, training will be like. Yeah, and another thing about these like interview days, especially if you're interviewing for both, like you could be interviewing with like upwards of like eight to ten different oh, faculty yeah. sometimes. So these days tend to be pretty long, um, and that's just the nature of it because you're interviewing for like both programs usually on the same day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, there was one, and and they, it can be a really long day, but also the interviews themselves the length of the interview can totally uh, be different at each place. Uh, I'm curious what Maria, what you, you and Jag think. Um, But I think like the shortest I had was like eight minute interviews, but it was like 10 of them. It was like seven or eight minute interviews. But 
but I did not, I did not like that length, but what did you guys feel like the best length of interview was? Cause for me, it was like 20 minutes. If it was a good interviewer. Um, I mean, I, I liked 15 to 20, but then, but then there were some where like you'd walk in and it would just be like, do you have any questions? Oh. And like, that was <laughs> and like, you just like, be like, you'd ask oh like two to three questions and then like, okay. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, for like those that we had like a really good conversation going, I felt like 15, uh, 15 to 20 minutes was really good to like kind of, um, I mean the best, the best you could possibly do to try to get to know someone in 15 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think so, uh, depended on the interview uh, interviewee or no interviewer, um, depends on how much of a connection or how much I had in common with the person. Some like you guys said, I wanted them not to be a, even fifteen minutes. It's like oh, I just want this to be over with. And then others, um, I we could have talked forever and ever. And actually, like ten minute interviews were kind of fun because it kind of left you wanting like it, it left. It left you on a high note. That's a great <laughs> it's like point. just like speed speed dating. Yeah. Uh, like the conversation never gets stale. But for sure, like 15, 20 minutes would be a good opportunity to explore. Like if you have, if you want want to talk about a lot and kind of get to know them and them to get to know you. Yeah. And I think often it's very easy going into interview season, like super worried about questions. And I know you guys are gonna bring that up, but I think it's like what you just said, Marina, it's an opportunity to be yourself and to show not just your interest, but just to like learn about the other person and have them learn about you. Um, at least that's the way that I approached interviews and I felt like um, it really was beneficial. And I think it's really important for like you to try to evaluate the program as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like if you didn't do in a way there, it's really hard to like kind of see if you fit somewhere in one day. So you sh- you got to have your questions ready and like make sure that you learn as much as you can in that one day about that program. I think I think it's interesting how variable each program's day is. Each how you know how how the interview days differ between programs. Among all the interviews that you went on, did you see common threads for questions, certain things that came up everywhere? Yeah, there's the default like why do you want to go to into IR, which we already talked about. Um, but I think, uh, at least for me, you're often asked about the things on your application. So the one that came up the most, like I mentioned before, is the podcast. People would ask me about it, why, why I did it, you know, so I, I was asked several times what a podcast is, which was really fun <laughs> to explain that. But yeah, I, I think often it's, you, you get the same recurring themes based on what your application was like. Definitely. I mean, um, some are like, why should we pick you? Like, give us a good reason. Like, what makes you different is like another question I got at a few places. Mm-hmm. Sometimes strengths and weaknesses. I guess just like the basic ones that you should have your answers ready for. Like strengths and weaknesses. What makes you different from everyone else? Um, a patient experience or something. That can get asked, but the majority of the time, Ben's right. It's just mostly about like your application, uh, your hobbies, your extracurriculars, like any research you've done. That that's what ends up being what the majority of the conversation is. I do think it's important to mention that like the interview day should not be high stress because 
you have already been like selected out of a huge group of people to be interviewed for that residency, which means like they're at least highly considering uh, ranking you, right? So like you are already in an elite group, so to speak, um, if you're being interviewed. So that, in my opinion, that should lower the stress of it. I, I feel like pre-interview season was more stressful than, um, than, than interview season. I don't know what you guys felt like. But. Yeah, usually the interview days are pretty um, like friendly, mm-hmm. but, um, but some are not. And so yeah. just some interview questions that you guys should be prepared for, which I'm sure you could just Google and find. But uh, of course, why IR? Why us? Like why insert whatever program you're interviewing for? So have some salient points about that specific program that are like unique to that program. Specific questions about like the guys were saying about your application. <clears throat> So for me, it was a lot of research questions, like a lot of uh, specific questions about the research mm-hmm. and what happened and how it was done. And so, I mean, like, thankfully, I was really intimately involved with all those projects because I was there for two years, but you got to know the details. Um, you never know what they're going to be interested in. Um, uh, and then any any other interesting thing about your application, uh, your hobby section is is a great section yes. for question for natural conversation. Like, be specific with your hobbies. Like, I like to bake, but I specifically like to bake layered cakes. And uh, so many people ask me about that. They're like, "Wait, oh. I love <laughs> I love to eat. Why what have you, we what never talked about this? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cakes do you make? Like, what?" So it was fun. Um, and then I, I I have a golden retriever. So a lot of people, I, I said in my hobbies, I like being outside with my golden retriever and I, I like to fish. And so a lot of people ask me about those things. Um, strength and weaknesses, you should be able to to address those, like know that like the back of your hand. Um, some other funky questions that you're going to get, like um, how would your friends describe you? How would you describe your personality? Um, oh, yeah. What could yeah. you be if you weren't a doctor? What, I, I want, yeah. one, one person asked, like, what fantasy animal would you be? Or what image, <laughs> mod- <laughs> what image <laughs> modality would you be if you could oh, And why? Oh, God. <laughs> you know, uh, and, then the, and then what are you looking for in a program? Yeah. So that's a really important question because it shows that you know some differences with like what different programs can offer. And then you've put some work into thinking about what would be good for you. Um, and then of course, um, making sure that that fits with the program that you're applying to, <laughs> that you're interviewing at. Yeah. Your point about the research is a good one. Cause like, I think, uh, a couple times people brought up like my research from undergrad, which was in, uh, exercise science, like in, in the, the Wii and the connect extra gaming, uh, and like, I, I was not expecting to be asked about that, even though it was on my application. Oh my God. So it kind of threw me, but luckily, like you said, like I was intimately involved in it, but yeah, it's not always directly it, it, anything on your application is fair game and a lot of stuff that's not on the application and things that you shouldn't be asked, um, can be brought up to, you know, there's those match violation questions. And I don't know about both of you, but those did come up, uh, a few times. Yeah, I got the, like, how many interviews have you gone on one? Yeah. That was the only one, though. I was asked that. <laughs> I, was, um, I was also asked about, uh, I mean, you shouldn't be, but you could be asked about your religion. It's pretty obvious what my religion is when you know when you know where I'm from and, and my familial situation. So I I, mm-hmm. I I didn't take offense to any of those questions, but just be prepared for that, right? 
Yeah, I think uh, for me, I, I got a few questions about my spouse because I have a wedding, I have a wedding ring on, yeah. and so it's frustrating. Um, but if they're going to violate and ask you, I think you should be ready for some kind of a answer because you can't just be like, "I'm not answering that." Yeah, that's a match violation. <laughs> I mean, you can. I guess you can um, politely uh, dismiss it, but just have a way where you can do that uh, tactfully. I, you know, I think a lot of the match violations, it's because these people, the people aren't well-informed um, on like, I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, some of them are blatantly bad, but yeah. some of them are, some <laughs> of them are, are just like, how many programs did you apply to? It's more just like out of curiosity. Um, so, and, and I did get some questions uh, from programs like, uh, are you expecting, do you think you'll have kids during residency? Which is like, so it was by a resident. What's up? 1975. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it was so bad. It was by a resident. And then like, then he, he was like, actually, I don't think I'm supposed to ask that. But then there was a pause and I was like, so you're awkward. That's awkward. <laughs> like you could have just been like, actually, no, don't answer that. And just like start talking about something else. You should have been like, do you want me to tell you about my religious views too? While we're But, but in his defense, I mean, uh, I think he, he had a bunch of kids. And so I think yeah. he was just trying to relate to women and like, it's unfortunate that that's the first thing that he thought of. Well, I could tell her how great it is to have kids in residency because I have four, but um, it wasn't the right thing. No, yeah. that is something that comes up is like beyond match violation questions. Like they, they want to try to relate to you. Like if there is a connection, you know, that's an inappropriate one to make. But so like, you know, I ended up having like a 15 minute conversation or not 15, like uh, uh, like a five minute conversation about aquariums at, at one of my IR interviews where like you know i would have thought they'd ask me more about like who i am and like why i'd be good but like it turned into that instead <laughs> um, so yeah that's funny to follow up narina i'm just curious did you have any questions that you thought were specifically because you were a, a woman trying to get into ir this is just my own curiosity this is good um i think that there was there is some um uncertainty i think being a female is definitely um something that how do I want to say this I do think some PDs questioned my commitment to IR because I was a female and they were worried that once I realized the opportunities within DR that I would change my mind and so I did feel like I kind of had to sell that aspect I I wonder more than my male counterpart mm-hmm. um but I just I just explain to them. I mean, I've been more procedurally oriented from the very beginning, you know, like I was interested in OBGYN, then maybe breast surgery and then um, women's imaging. So I, I just, it's unfortunate, but I do think it's real. Um, But I think that they're also biased because they're used to recruiting from the DR side. And so now they're recruiting from this entirely different group of women that are not choosing to go into a lifestyle uh, specialty per se. So this is just a whole different pool of people that they haven't seen before. Um, And so the women now that are coming in, I think we're like, we're wanting surgical, we're wanting that. And so I think there's just a period of transition for them. Oh, that's really well put. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And even, even on the other side of things, when you have your DR uh, interviews, 
it is a different experience for a lot of those DR interviewers. Because I know in the IR world, there is this perspective of we want these clinical people there. And not everybody has it. And like you said, there can still be a lot of bias there. But on the DR side of things, like I think it's difficult on these uh, interview days to kind of bounce between being asked questions about IR and questions about DR. No, I mean, that's true. Like a couple of my IR interviews, I got asked about like how how I view like DR or like, you know, how I see it like connected with IR or whatever. That's a good question you get asked, yeah. And um, so like I, I answered that honestly. And like I was honest about it. Like I would prefer like I think right now an 100% IR job when I'm done. But I know the importance of DR um, and it's what separates separates IRs from other people that do endovascular procedures is just like their expertise in that diagnostic imaging. Yeah. So I was like, it's really important to learn and I want to learn it. But obviously right now I would prefer to do a job that's like 100% IR. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question that I got asked is why not? Why not vascular surgery? Um, yeah, I got, yeah, that, I got know, that. It could depend on what your background was, but I think that's a common one that gets asked uh, integrated IR um, applicants is why not? Why not something else that's endovascular? One um, way that you can address, just thinking about what Jag was saying about um, how to address how you see your diagnostic training playing out in your future, um, I think another really good thing is being aware of the job market and opportunities after training and understanding that uh, a lot of opportunities are mixed DR and IR and being able to just having that understanding and being able to communicate that on the interview day and explaining how while you may or may not want to do 100% IR, you recognize the importance of, well, first of all, I think having good diagnostic training is what makes you a good a great IR. So uh-huh. that's, it's fundamental for me. I mean, I believe that it's what I said in my interview is what I'm saying now. So that's a foundation. I think it's critical, no matter how much DR you plan on doing in your practice, but then also just realistically, um, a lot of practices are mixed. And so we have to have excellent training in order to be able to offer that for whatever practice we join. Absolutely. Yep. Completely agree. I think that's a really important point as well is understanding what the job market is like. Uh, it just shows uh, that you've gone that extra step into understanding the field beyond just like, hey, IR is cool, I'm applying to IR. Uh, which, uh, to be honest, I don't think there's a lot of applicants like that, but that's something that they're trying to to filter out or to find. Yeah, something interesting too for SIR, this doesn't have to go on the podcast or anything, but um, they were, one program director was talking about how IR integrated programs have been growing and this year it kind of plateaued. There weren't that many new programs. And he was just saying that the job market allows for around 300 interventional radiologists to enter it every year. And that, so that we're going to hit that we're, we're kind of plateauing now as far as number of programs. And that was something interesting, just focusing on how the job market is and what it demands every year. And it doesn't demand like, just this infinite number of IRs to be produced every year. You know, it's, it's something finite and includes a lot of diagnostic too. A lot of those positions are, are very heavily diagnostic. That, that is a great that point. Yeah. Um, that they're keeping it kind of capped at that so that it doesn't get oversaturated. Well, and that's a great point that like you hear a lot in other um, specialties is that number. Like I know in general surgery, I've heard that from friends and, 
vascular surgery. Uh, but that's a number that I don't think I actually knew was that mm-hmm. 300. Um, and obviously, you know, everyone wants there to be more IRs and for us to do more things, but understanding that job yeah. market is important. So this will be the first doctor job for all of us, right? For In the meantime, though, we are, have been students and are students. Many of us will be students for a little while. And we're always looking for ways to save money. Yeah. While you were on the interview trail, we were talking about some numbers and it's you're traveling a lot. What are some ways that you used to save money while you were interviewing? Oh, that's a great question. First, I would say this is the time to not be too frugal in the sense of like where, how many places you apply and how many interviews you go on to whatever your capacity is. Um, because it is so competitive. It's insanely competitive. And, you know, if you're the person that out of principle just applies to less programs because you don't want to saturate the market, that, that's fine. But in my opinion, I feel like you got to do what everybody else is doing. I don't know what you guys think, but, um, you know, that that's something that shouldn't be where you script. Now, I think applying, I think going on interviews regionally and driving to a lot of interviews is helpful if that's a possibility. Um, and then also trying to group them if you get lucky. Like I know my, my mind you, Detroit isn't that far, but uh, the two IR interviews I had in Detroit, I had back to back, which really helped um, me on that specifically. Yeah. I mean, something I did was a lot of my friends, um, they they'd graduated and were starting intern year in different cities. Um, so housing wise, I was able to crash um, with a decent amount of friends, like on the interview trail. Yeah, I think that helped a lot with that cost. Um, I know a couple friends got a couple of my friends got this one credit card. Um, I think it's like the Chase Sapphire Reserve or something, and it like gives you really good points for flights. So they they got that and used that. And uh, they were able to get a lot of points off the interview trail. Yeah, you'll see like online a lot of different things of what to do with credit cards and stuff. But one thing you said about staying with someone, I think if you can do that, you know, couch surf, um, do it as much as you can. Because I think that's the biggest expense beyond the flying is, is when you have to pay for a hotel. I was lucky my wife is a part of the Lives of Doctors Wives Facebook group. And she was able to get me several, at several places, I was able to find a place to sleep because of that, um, which was very nice to not pay for a hotel in several places. I I don't think I have any great advice outside of what everybody already knows. Um, I I spent so much, like all of us did, I spent so much money on the interview trail, but I just considered it um, in the grand scheme of things, um, just part of the whole med school (laughs) Um, thing. And so it's, I didn't skimp really because I mean, I applied to like, we all applied to so many programs that's expensive <laughs> going on all those interviews expensive. I mean, um, thankfully I, I have support from my husband and, and, um, parents. Um, but I, it's, it was, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot. So I think just, just having that, um, preparation mentally for that and financially just being able to prepare as much as possible. Yeah. I do think there's some things you can do, just like some tips on the interview trail for travel. So I know a lot of people use Uber or Lyft um, often. I, at least for myself, I tend to be a risk averse person and want to control as many variables as I can 
when it comes to interview day. So I ended up um, getting a rental car fairly often if it was somewhere I had to fly to, just because there's a lot of places. It's just going to add a lot of uncertainty of if you're going to make it on, you know, if you're going to be able to make it to the interview dinner. And often if you like tally up like how many Uber rides you'd have to have uh, between like airport to hotel, hotel to resident interview dinner, resident interview dinner to hotel, hotel to, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like once you tally all that up, sometimes it equals the cost or it's much higher than the cost of a rental car for 24 hours. So um, that's definitely something I would consider. Yeah, definitely. And there are some airports that have like good public transportation, either like a metro rail or something that can usually take you close to like where you're staying. And for those places, I definitely recommend using that if you have the time, Mm -hmm. if you get there early enough. Um, Because you're right, like those, sometimes those Uber and Lyfts, like they can add up like from each airport (laughs) to uh, where you're staying. Yeah, and try to, um, especially after the interview day, um, usually you can coordinate with the other applicants. Usually everybody, most people are headed to some airport or train station or something. So you can share rides like that. Yeah, I think other than that, those are the big things. And we haven't talked about the resident dinners yet, um, but when it comes to interviews, I think um, that is such an important thing to go to. I don't know what you guys felt like bringing in check. No, I completely agree. If you can make it, like try to go because that's where you're going to get the most information you can like about like both the DR and the IR aspects of the program, I feel. And for the most part, it's pretty unfiltered. So you'll get like a real like kind of evaluation of what the residents think. And I think that's also just like seeing the residents kind of hanging out together. You can kind of see if you fit with like those type of people, I guess. Um, and I think that helps too when deciding like at the end when you're trying to rank. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a, it definitely helps with the gut feeling for sure. I mean, that's like the crux of really the gut feeling is like, Oh, how are the residents? How do they hang out? Like, do I feel like I can talk to them easily? And then getting that inside view into the program. So um, just hearing how they talk about the attendings and I always loved it when the residents would, refer to the attendings by first name yeah. basis like it's just so nice to know like okay it's really familial environment you know yeah um and then uh oh another thing and not only for your own personal benefit but uh, going to the interviews is, is really important for the actual interview day i don't know how many times i was asked on the interview day oh did you make it to the dinner the night before yeah. just like a conversation yeah. Uh, yeah it looks it's just such a bad start to an interview if you're like oh no you feel you have to like explain i mean like our you know for ir and dr our travel schedules are crazy like there were just some that i could not go to yeah. and i but i really wanted to um and i think they understand that but it just makes for like an awkward right. start to an interview also the places that didn't have a resident dinner or anything that was always even if it wasn't a dinner like or like a lunch or whatever um, that was always kind of weird to me. I don't know what you guys felt like. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like kind of understood it cause it was like, you know, it's funding. Totally. But yeah. Like if they, if they didn't have a lunch or something separate where you could spend time with the residents, then, then I felt like yeah. weird about that it. Specific. Like there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's something about it being like off site where like, I don't know, like the lunches that are in the department with just residents, I, I've, I felt like weren't as open always at some places 
I don't know if you guys had that experience, but yeah. Yeah, I, I would say for me, the the dinners were more, definitely more, I got more information. I think I got more out of it. But one thing that I did want to mention is something that I didn't realize until partway through the interview season was take note to whether or not the fellows are at dinner. Ah. Because some programs make sure that the IR fellow is there because they know most about the IR side, IR side of things. That's and then other programs, I didn't even like see a fellow. So I don't know how much of that is intentional, but I know some programs go out of their way to make sure that you get all the information that you need from the fellow. Yeah, that's such a good point because um, beyond like the interviews with attendings or even if you get an interview with a fellow, I feel like those senior level residents are where you're going to gain the most information versus like sometimes the lower level residents, like you can as well, but you get a lot of like energy from, from those like R1s and R2s, you know, but like it's the ones who have been on service for IR for, you know, X amount of months total that really know the ins and outs of how things work a little bit more um, intimately. So what kind of questions should you be asking those fellows? Like, how do you make this dinner like a high yield, but also enjoyable, low stress situation? Sounds like it's kind of contradictory. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the great contradiction of, of interview season. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I loved asking um, everybody was what's a weak, what's a weakness of the program? Because yeah. every program has a weakness. Um, and the fellows are were brutally honest with me uh, because they don't really care. I mean, they're basically... Right. just on their way out, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and most of them had jobs lined up. So um, they were just honest. And so a lot of IR programs have uh, something that they're really good at. And then they have a certain realm of IR that maybe isn't well, well um, represented at their institution. So um, yeah, they'll, they'll tell you how it is. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to ask a quick follow-up question. So I think that's a really valid question is just to know when you're... Um, like how Jag and, and Narina and I think all of you guys were actually saying about how you're also interviewing the the program itself when you're being interviewed. You're trying to see if you fit there and um, what have you. So is it inappropriate to ask in your interview when, you know, the program director says, oh, do you have any questions for me? Is it a, like inappropriate to ask like, okay, what's something that, the you know, that your program, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I would, so like I, I asked that question, I guess I always phrase it as like, what do you think is something mm -hmm. you can improve upon? Um, and instead of saying like yeah. weakness or whatever. Um, and I think that's like getting across the same, like the same idea, like what I'm asking, like what it's basically like, what are you lacking or what do you think mm -hmm. you can Did improve upon? Did they ever like upon? recoil and hiss at you or anything? No, no. They're all, they're saying yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think no, I got, yeah, I got kicked out of the room when I got asked that one place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to the contrary, I think they're all yeah. expecting that question. Like, yeah. I I always phrased it. Um, uh, every program has strengths and weaknesses. Um, what would you say is a weakness of your program? Or uh -huh. and they yeah. were all okay. totally cool with that, and just a normal question. Yeah. And Hannah and Eric, the thing <laughs> you guys will realize is you're never going to want to hear the words. What other questions do you have ever <laughs> right. after? Yeah. Like, that is one of the best parts of matching integrated IR is I never, well, I guess for job interviews, but it's like after you'll be asked that during the resident dinner, you'll be asked that in the morning orientation, you'll be asked that with every interviewer on the tours, like, it, you know, 
But but the reason why is they want to tell you everything you need to know about the program. So actually having questions to ask is really, really important. Um, and yeah. that is you should never have accent. nothing to ask. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You should at least have like probably two or three that you can just like go to and ask if they ask you if you have questions. And can you guys share some of your go to questions? Yeah, I, I think it, and that, that was going to be the next thing I brought up is I think having good questions is important. So there's the default, like weaknesses, strengths. I'm going to think for a minute, but Jag, Narina, do you have any of your golden ones to share? I mean, like some of the IR ones is like kind of like autonomy and stuff, but everyone says they, <laughs> they have like every, like the residents have great autonomy. So it's really hard to really <laughs> right. differentiate. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> On the, on the interview, or sorry, in the residency dinner, um, yeah, to ask like how often are, are like junior residents getting to, you know, do the procedure? How often are the attendings in the room? Um, I think there's like a good balance there. Obviously, you don't want it to be like I've never seen an attending all day, right? Like, but but yeah, I think those are really important things to sort of understand that autonomy and best asked um, in the residency dinner. And and like if they didn't like talk about it in their like initial presentation, I would ask if they like if what they were doing for resident wellness, I guess. Like just if they were like addressing it at all or like they had programs or whatever, like say you needed to have like a doctor's appointment, dentist appointment, all that kind of stuff. Like kind of promoting that aspect. Um just to see what like their policy was or if they were like and most places like we're very happy to answer that. Yeah, Marina, what about you? Yeah, so I had a ton of questions just because I, I feel like the, it played into how I ranked them. So um, I liked asking what they were looking for in a future resident because each of them gave different answers. I mean, there were there were some that gave the same answer, hardworking, easy to go along with, but then some of them added a little something that really helped me realize the, the culture. So like, for example, one person said, I want my residents to live and breathe IR. And so I'm like, okay, so this culture is going to be like really intense. Um, and it's going to be like uh, high expectations, like high performance, which all programs I think have, but you know, it's just like more of an intense vibe. And then other programs are like, we want somebody that can be like a family member that I want to hang out with you all day. I get along with you. And so it's just different vibes and everybody wants something different. So it's just nice to hear it from them directly. Um, I always ask about mentorship. So I always prefaced it by saying, I know the best mentorship is organic and happens naturally with people that you have something in common with, but what does the program do to facilitate formal mentorship? Um, some some yeah. have somebody th that they assign you to and different ways to like formally facilitate that. Um, I always ask about feedback. So the structure and the format. So mm -hmm. I also prefaced it by always saying that the best feedback is elicited by the learner themselves. Like being able to ask for feedback is a really important quality, Such but also knowing <laughs> these yeah. are good for you guys to know. Yeah, because yeah, you know, I, all of our listeners I, should be taking notes. These are fantastic. literally writing this down as you're talking. <laughs> you're golden I now. had a lot of people help me for like come up with questions. And so I feel like I need to pay forward. So um, like the best, like I just said, the best feedback is elicited by yourself, but there's also something to be said for, um, you know, formal feedback. And so how is that delivered? Uh, what's the me medium in which it's delivered? Like, is it online? Is it in person? I mean, there's, there's always like mid rotation feedback or, you know, whatever, but just hearing how they explain it. And some people get really passionate about feedback. They're like, Oh, we have feedback Fridays and this is what we do. And other people are like, Oh, it's <laughs> just feedback. And this is how we give it. So 
just seeing how enthusiastic they are. And, and, and a good program will also tell you how you are going to be able to give feedback to the program. So I always appreciated when the program director was like, and we really care about your feedback too. And this is how the residents give us feedback about the program. Um, Let's see, clinic is a great thing to ask yeah. about because it's, it shows that you're clinically oriented yeah. and that you care about the clinic and just knowing like uh, how many clinics do, well, this is something you should research before you go, like what clinics they do have, like is there IO clinic, is there vascular clinic, like a uh, fibroid clinic, whatnot, and then how, when do you get to go to that? Um, uh, one thing I like other, I liked asking about was, uh, I don't like asking about call in in detail because I just realized they go on like this diatribe about like how the call works and then I just don't even care. Yeah. Um, but yeah. one thing that I did like asking was, is there baby call during R1? Because um, just something, just a little taste of what call is like during your R1 year, just to kind of get oriented, just to kind of have like a little, like a foot, your foot in the water kind of thing um, to get you ready for like when actual call hits. Um, well, I asked you know about- a question people asked all the time. <laughs> I didn't ask this independent call. Oh, so many people yes. asked oh, about yeah. that. It was like um, every resident dinner. Yeah, every resident <laughs> yeah. dinner, there will be someone that asks about independent call. Just be ready. You're gonna hear. You're yeah. gonna hear that a million times. Yeah, you're gonna hear like people for it, and then the places where it isn't at. You're gonna hear people for the other way, and yeah. Yeah, and knowing the pros and cons of both, right? Like there's this general movement towards 24-hour attending coverage at night and knowing that um, like really, really good learning happens when you don't have that safety net of the attending right there where you're actually making calls that matter and that there are decisions, surgical decisions even that are made off of your call or your read. Yeah, so, so that's, that's yeah. a good thing to ask about, Marina. I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, but... Yeah, um, no. I asking like the specifics of like, not just is it independent call or is there 24 hour attending coverage? Ask the residents what their experience is like on call. Like, cause there's some places where there's 24 hour attending coverage and you're allowed to make them like make the call. And, and it, 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 there is a sense of independence and like um, you'll, you'll talk to that uh, night attending later on, or if, or if you miss something, they'll tell you after the fact you know what I mean? Versus like overreading you. Um, I think that that, that's sort of a residency dinner sort of question or maybe on the tour. So like there are specific times where you're going to be able to talk to residents at most places. It's the dinner, it's the tour of the, of the um, facility or the, or of the hospital. Um, And then maybe if they're like around the table while everyone's like going for interviews or like during lunch, those are like, at least on my, in my experience, the three times you're going to get to ask questions to residents. At least. Yeah. And I think like another good question is like, if you're at a place that has a lot of fellows, you can just ask like if that affects like your diagnostic training and like what you're reading um, mm-hmm. versus like if the fellows always get the high end cases yes. and you end up uh, for your first couple of years, just reading like basic stuff. Um, it's good to ask to see how the fellows impact like the resident education. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the IR questions and like Naria mentioned before, I think asking good questions about DR is important because, um, you know, as much as the training can be pretty quote unquote universal, I do think there is some variability to how autonomous you are, how good you are dealing with volume, um, depending on the training environment. Because, um, you know, that, that, that's another part yes. is what sort of volume you end up reading in a day, um, which will get you more used to 
more realistic expectations out of training. Yeah, one last thing. Um, a lot of programs have special tracks. So having specific questions about that, like whether there's, uh, whether it's a business and radiology track or research track or just something. And I think that that kind of ties into the mentorship uh, aspect, like just facilitating f faculty mentorship and along a special track. But if you have a particular interest, like, um, like the business of radiology, you know, asking about that track is good. Yeah. Oh, I remembered some of my golden IR questions. So um, a couple things. One, it's important to know about the field of IR. We've already talked about that. So a couple things that I always ask, um, or I always asked on these interviews. One was, where do you see the program going in five years? Like, what, what are your goals for the next five years? Because you got to realize that you're not going to be doing primarily IR for at least five years. So like, whatever the, the product of training is now is not what you'll be experiencing, you know, in 2024, 20, 25, right? So mm -hmm. it's really good to see program directors that like have a vision for like, okay, this is where we are now and this is how we want to change. And this, mm -hmm. is, this is how we're going to do it or build our practice or add a clinic uh, or a different kind of clinic or whatnot. Um, so I'd always ask that and I always got good feedback on that question. Um, on, and, and I always think it's nice when they're like, oh, that's a good question. I haven't heard that. Like that, that, that is probably a positive if you can come up with questions. <laughs> the other one sure. um, is asking about specific uh, procedures that are new to the field um, just to see like, is this a, is this a place where they're on the cutting edge of what's being done versus like, you know, they'll start doing it five years later after everyone else is doing it. Um, so things that I would ask about were, um, endovascular AV fistula creation and PAD in general. But if they do prefer arterial disease, I'd ask about like some of the newer things that are being done as well. Um, and you could do that with any part of the body. Prostate artery embolization is another great example. Those, I don't know what your guys' experience was, Jag and Marina, with uh, those type of questions, but I, I always got really good mm -hmm. feedback on that. And that gave me good vision for what my training is going to be like. Yeah, I think those are great questions to have, especially if there's a particular area of IR where you're really excited, like more passionate about than others. Like I, that's another question that you might even get is um, what a, which area of IR are you most interested in pursuing? Um, like what's your favorite procedure or whatever? Um, so it's, it's good to have some specific questions about procedures that you'd like to be well-trained on. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, another thing that with that, uh, when we were talking about difficult questions, there was one interview where they asked me, what was the uh, most difficult IR procedure that you were a part of or the most complex or most interesting? Like that was definitely um, sort, of, sort of a curveball question I wasn't expecting. Yeah. So if you guys have like interesting case reports or something, definitely a great, <laughs> great time to pull that out. <laughs> All right. Um, one last thing before I forget, um, another good question is for the IR folks is uh, the role of advanced providers because they have oh, yeah. different levels of yeah. uh, advanced providers and what they do. And it's I liked having a lot of advanced providers because it means that um, it's more people for you to learn from and they maybe can help you with some of the more like mundane tasks like um, phone calls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because um, some places will be like, oh, we don't have... NPs and or oh the NPs do all the admits or the PAs do all the admits or or you know the different roles they play because that, that definitely can help you in your training. Um, oh another thing like the vascular access team um, 
it, you know, whether or not you're going to be doing picks all day is very dependent on whether there is a vascular access team um, at, your, at that institution. And what that means is like a team of nurses that are um, putting in the, the picks on the floor. And so the only picks that end up going to IR are the more uh, complex or difficult ones. Yeah, definitely that question about like mid-level providers and everything. I think is uh, it's really good because that can determine a lot of what you're going to be doing. Maybe as like a um, like a R1 R2 integrated resident versus like other places which may have a lot more support. You might be able to do a bit more procedures those two years. Yeah. So you all had mentioned some of the things, some of the things we were feeling during the interview dinner and throughout the interview, um, and the different considerations when thinking about how to rank a program. I'd like to hear from each of you just about what you put into rank lists, how you formulated that, um, that question of what program is right for me. What were the things you considered when, put, when ranking a program? So for me, I think um, like the interview day experience was like one of the, one of the biggest things that like, I considered. Um, that along with what I like, felt like the strength of training was at the program. Um, I didn't really like look at location uh, too much um, in making my rank list, which I know is like different from a lot of people because a lot of people tend to like put location first um, when they're making their rank lists. Um, but for me, like those were the two biggest things. And then um, speaking with uh, my mentor and kind of going through the rank list with him and like hearing his like kind of insight on each of the programs and like kind of taking his advice and like moving things around. And uh, so for me, those were like the biggest things that I put into uh, making my rank list. And I also kind of did mine where I had like probably the majority of my top 10 were all the integrated programs straight um, before I'd gotten to a point where um, some of the integrated programs, like at that point, I felt like I would rather go into a diagnostic program that had an ESIR track um, over some of those integrated programs. Mm -hmm. Um, which is different for everyone. Some people like doing like IR, DR, then DR at one institution and then kind of going it that route. But I, I went, um, I kind of just went with the route where I really don't want to apply again. And I felt like this group of integrated programs, I would be very happy to train at. And that's how I ranked it. Yeah. Uh, like, like Jag was saying, um, my, my approach was pretty similar in that, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily want to go through it again, but also I, I, I had like this group at the top where I felt like, okay, these IR programs all make sense. They all, you know, meet, meet my basic requirements of, of what I want out of training. And then from there, I, I think it really goes back to the gut feeling that you get. Um, IR interviews are very exciting because everyone likes IR. So, you know, it's usually a very exciting day. You know, you get to see all these things. You're really happy to be interviewing. At least that was, that was my experience. Um, so it's very hard not to, uh, it's, it's, it's hard not to look back at everything and think everything was roses the whole time. I don't know what you guys felt about that. But. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, I mean, all the, so all the interviews, the uh, in the IR interviews that I went on, I, I I just was so impressed and inspired. And so for me, um, the like I already said before, the 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 DR component really ended up making or breaking how I ranked the IR program. So I wanted 
great training all around. I wanted great IR, the the most well-rounded IR that I could get, and then great DR. I really wanted to like the the D, all the DR faculty as well as the IR faculty because yeah. I knew I was going to be spending a lot of time in DR. Um, location was very important to me. I really wanted to be in the Midwest. Um, I mean, I'm born and raised in the Midwest, and I just really wanted to be within driving distance of family. Um, I want. Uh, I also wanted to be in a city. So I, I was um, ranking cities higher than like more rural areas, and that's because um, job opportunities for my spouse. Um, and then also, uh, I really wanted to be in a place with a lot of culture and diversity, um, not, not only in the, in the city, but also in the program too. So for me, diversity is important just for me personally, but also it, it was a marker of um, the competitiveness of the program, really, I guess, um, is just their ability to draw from people of all different backgrounds. And so I just felt like that would be, I would thrive in that environment. Um, let's see. Uh, yep. Yeah, so... And the, the people, I mean, the, the feeling, uh, getting along with the people and that gut feeling is so important. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. You're going to find, you know, there's the Google um, spreadsheet of all the IR and DR, which we haven't really talked about here, with lots of information that's beneficial. But then you're going to hear a lot of opinions and you're going to look at people's stats on there and everyone's like a 270 you know, and <laughs> interviewing at 72 places sort of person. Um, but, but like, like Noreen was saying, it comes down to how you feel um, in the end. Like, so for me personally, with uh, kind of what ended up happening, I, so obviously I matched to Dartmouth. And when I was on that um, interview day, you know, like I said, a lot of interview days were really great. Um, and I was really enjoying that one. But at the end of the day, my, I, I was calling my wife and I was like, my face is like kind of cramping today. I don't know like if I'm sick or like what's going on. And she's like, were you like smiling the whole time or something? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I was like, but that, that's probably a good sign. <laughs> and, but in all honesty, like that, that was something where I was like, oh, I, you know, this was like such a good experience and I had all the good feels. And I, th- I think that's what it comes down to in the end is like what you feel the best about because that's what you want for the rest of your training. It doesn't matter in the end, like how prestigious, you know, all those things, because you're going to be spending day in, day out with these people for, you know, six, five or six years. So Yeah, I felt the same way after uh, my interview at Indiana University. I just, uh, you know, it's that connection with the residents at dinner and then I just felt like every interview went so well. It it really probably wasn't so much about like me doing a really good job more as just like, it was just a great fit. And, um, it's really like dating. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I met my husband, um, through an online dating website. And so I went on a lot of dates um, before I met him. And like, I see so many parallels. Like there were just, yeah bad dates and it's like not because you did a bad job it's just like it's just a bad fit and that's kind of what residency interviews were like it's like if you feel like the day is going bad it's like don't blame yourself it's just a bad fit (laughs) and if and if everything is just going great like that's a really good sign yeah I think too like um you know often it feels like it's going well because you haven't like screwed up but but when but when like it's going so well that like the interviewer, like you're coming out of it feeling better about who you are because of the interview. Like, that's good. Like, that's like a, that's a good sign. Like that was, 
how it was for me with the yeah. uh, DRPD at, at Dartmouth with Dr. Uh, Dr. Yen. And, and so, yeah, I think that like that, that's like sort of a rare, more rare thing to experience. Like that just like, I feel so great coming out of this interview day versus like, I'm so happy to be here. I don't know. I, for me, there was a delineation and I ended up like, you know, immediately being like, okay, this is the best. And then I spent the next two months of putting together my rank list, trying to talk myself out of that. Right. So, cause then, <laughs> then you get in your head for so long before it's due. Yeah. And uh, that, that's probably the hardest part. Yeah. And for me with like Jackson, um, it wasn't necessarily the interview day. It was just that the connections I'd already had with my mentors there. And like now, like I have the ability to like work with them for six more years. And uh, to me, that was like, it's, it's going to be an amazing like experience. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you all enough for um, answering many of my own questions during this interview. I think I've, there's a lot of very valuable information for people in my position, even people just barely discovering IR now to prepare themselves for the very competitive interview atmosphere. I think it's a, a, a thing to look forward to as well as understand. Well, my voice just cracked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of coming okay. off a cold. I we'll give you a do-over. I don't even know where I was. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Uh, uh, um. <laughs> uh, I can't thank you guys enough for answering many of my questions, as well as many of the questions that I'm sure our listeners have. We've touched on a lot of very valuable things, including what to expect during the interview, what programs to apply to, and even touched on rank lists. So thank you very much. And also just to follow up, congrats again to all of you guys. And you guys have been such amazing mentors to us and the and the listeners. And um, so thank you all again and congrats and have an amazing life as an IR. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not going anywhere. But <laughs> yeah. and thank you guys for, uh, yeah. for listening to us. And, you know, every experience is different. And um, in the end, when when match day does happen, I know we haven't spend much talking about that specifically but that day is going to be a mixed bag for everybody um even even matching ir because the thing is is i I was talking to noreen about this off air you go from having a multitude of possibilities to now having one single like future like it's you know you spend so much time dreaming about being an ir and you're dreaming about what it's going to be like here or here or there and like as happy as you are to be going to this one place at the same time, all those other dreams are gone, right? But, but it's not realistic to be an IR at 27 different IR training programs. Uh, and so it's okay if it, on, on match day you have mixed emotions because it's, it's a huge thing, you know, it's a huge commitment and you're there and you're, yeah. you're going where you're going to go. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. I feel like um, there's a lot of pressure on match day to be elated and you will be but then there's also going to be a part of you that's just so overwhelmed um, because uh, for me too, like it's um, it's not just me that I'm bringing along and bringing along my, my significant other. So there's just, um, it's just uh, a lot of information. Um, it's all really amazing, happy news. But I think it's totally normal to be like, oh my goodness, like just just an overflowing of thoughts, like what next and what uh, we have to do all these things and find a job and find that place and whatnot. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree with you guys. Cause it's like, you're really happy you match, but then a lot of people have to like uproot and like completely move to different parts of the country. And like that, that can be like overwhelming. Definitely. Yeah. 
And I know we talked uh, a lot about like how everybody can get there. And like, I, I just want to end with, with a quote that Dr. I'll uh, give a shout out to Dr. Rochonne from SIRLA. And like, you know, we all have different paths to getting to IR. So um, I really liked what he said. And it stuck with me for over a year. He said, your path in IR might be different than your neighbors, but if you want to become an IR enough, you will be. And like, I truly believe that, obviously, because I ended up in IR, but um, but I think that's true. Like, if this is what you want to do for the rest of your life, then go for it and you'll find a way there. Yep, 100% agree. Perfect, thank you. That's it for this episode. Keep an eye out for upcoming episodes on the IR community on Twitter conferences and symposia and our continuing Women in IR series. If you have any questions or feedback, we would really love to hear from you. If you're a practicing IR who would like to get involved with the podcast, please contact us at our email address, thesoundofir, all one word, at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at the underscore sound underscore of underscore IR. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast apps. We'll see you next time.